0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope all of you uh, received this little uh, invite for the meetings with Pastor Amos. Did you all receive this? Yes? Okay, great. Uh, please take extra copies of it and invite your friends. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do is uh, have uh, different ministries and different men, uh, men of God, men and women of God, come from time to time to impart into our life as a church. Uh, Pastor Amos uh, has a very uh, um, well-established prophetic ministry uh, known around the world, uh, a solid ministry of God. He ministered to us about a year ago when we were at uh, 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 the convent of uh, St. Brigitte. Some of you were there, you might remember. But he has very good, strong, well-established prophetic ministry, and we were able to minister to us so that God can stir up the prophetic in all of our lives, so that we can learn how to hear from God, learn how to flow and minister that way. So I'd encourage you to, you know, uh, take leave if you need to on Friday, the 25th of March. If you need to apply for leave, go ahead, apply for leave. Be here. We're going to spend three full days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three full days in these meetings with Pastor Amos. Uh, So do try to, you know, make it a point to do that. Uh, In April, we're going to have uh, Dr. Chris Nanakin, a wonderful man of God. He's got to spend some time with him uh, sometime back. Uh, really deep in the strong of the word, based here in Bangalore. He'll be ministering to us in April and May. We'll have uh, uh, Pastor Richard Bourne be, uh, with us. So, we're trying to bring really strong, solid men of God uh, ministries to come and impart into our life as a church. Amen? And uh, we must learn to receive so that we can grow. Uh, I, as a pastor, will do my best to give, you know, but uh, I can't give everything. That God has anointed many other men and women of God with different ministries and gift things and anointings. And we need all of that. We need to receive all of that. So I'd really encourage you not to miss these meetings. We're doing this on purpose. We really want to uh, receive into the life of our church. So please be there. Next Sunday we are having something special. We're doing Meet the Pastors Luncheon. For all those who have been attending all people's church in the last three months, and uh, you're considering becoming a member of the church, uh, and uh, you know you've just been visiting. You're thinking, you know, I want to, I want to get to know more about this church. So I'm thinking of becoming a member. What we have plan to do is do on a uh, on a regular basis a meet the pastors luncheon. So those of you who've just been visiting us for some time and would like to know more, next Sunday we'll have a meet the pastors luncheon. Immediately after second service here, uh, we'll we'll have lunch for you, no, not for the whole church but for those who are thinking of becoming members of the church. Uh, and it will be a time when you can ask questions. We'll have a presentation about the church. You can ask questions, uh, clarify any things that you might want to know about the church, and uh, uh, and then you can make your decision. I also want to encourage us, just remind us about our cell groups. You now We really need to build that up, strengthen that. Uh, so I encourage all of us to get involved in our cell, group. cell groups, get connected to a cell group, become part of a cell group, and... Uh, and uh, uh, cell groups is one of the places where we really emphasize the application of the Word of God. All right, so it's Sunday morning, you hear the Word. In the cell group, you talk about, you know, so what did you do with what you heard? So get connected to a cell group. Cell group listings should be available at the information desk. And find a cell group that's close to you, something that you can relate to, and get involved. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. Let's make our declaration this morning before we get into the Word of God together. Lift your Bibles high up in the air. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God a servant of Christ and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive His Word, I believe His Word, and I live by His Word. Christ is my Master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. Give a high five to the person sitting next to you, give them your name. If you don't know who they are, or they don't know who you are, and... You may be seated. We've been uh, doing a series of study on prayer, and we're just going to continue our discovery in the Word of God concerning prayer. Amen? You know, the Word of God is like uh, sailing on an ocean. When you're on top top of the ocean, it's very boring. All you see is water, water. You can't even drink it. It's so boring, so monotonous. But the moment you take a plunge and you start going under into the Word of God, the depths of the Word of God, it becomes very fascinating because you are now discovering wonderful things that you don't see on the surface. Amen? So that's the Word of God. As we get deeper and deeper into the Word of God, it's going to become more and more fascinating, wonderful. You're going to begin to enjoy it there. So we're going to get deeper and deeper in the Word of God concerning the subject of prayer. We've been kind of laying a foundation the last several Sundays. And we're going to kind of take a plunge in and get deeper into the things on prayer. And I'm also very encouraged by the kind of response we're seeing, you know, in people really responding to the message and begin, beginning to apply this in their life. Uh, stirring themselves up in prayer. Amen. You know, as a pastor, you know, it's not, it's not, my objective is not to preach the best sermon every Sunday. That's not the objective. You know, anybody can do that. You know, people flock to all kinds of gurus and wow, father, hear wonderful things. So the objective is not to impress you with good sermons, the objective is to get your life changed. The objective is to lift us up to new levels in our walk with God. Amen. That's it. If the Word of God can get across and and our lives can be changed and we respond to it and do something with it, then this whole effort is worth it. Amen? So it's very encouraging to see and hear of people responding to the Word of God. And I appreciate those who emailed back. And uh, there was a couple in our South Church who wrote wrote back last Sunday, you know, the saying, and after they started hearing this teaching on prayer, that they have been beginning to spend more time in prayer. That's very encouraging. Somebody else wrote last back uh, wrote back saying, you know, that that, all, that that one thought on our Father just made such a big difference in her life after hearing that last Sunday. Amen? So it's good that, that people are receiving, responding to the Word and beginning to do something with it. It's also encouraging to see all night prayer. More people showing up. Last Friday we had more people uh, just get together as a family. And, and I really want to see all of us as a church coming up for all night prayer. Make it a priority. Amen. Put it down in your calendar. I need to be there for all night prayer. I'm going to readjust my schedule. Whatever I need to do to be there as a church. You know, there are some things we can accomplish as a body which we can never accomplish as an, at an individual level. That's why we need to be there as a body praying together. I want to encourage you to make it a party to be there. This morning, we're going to get into, uh, continue our study on God inst- God's instruction on prayer. On, on what God has told us on how to pray. We had a little basic overview of that last Sunday when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We went through the Lord's Prayer last Sunday. This morning, we're kind of getting a little bit more in, into it. on I'm trying to understand on how to pray God's instruction on prayer. Amen. Now, I need your help this morning. I need your help in keeping your neighbor awake. I know they see the, the weather's getting a little warmer day by day. And so it's easy to fall asleep. So I need your help. Just, you know, every now and then just nudge your neighbor or give them a slap on the back or something. Just make sure they're awake so that the Word of God will get into their hearts. Amen? That's your ministry this morning. <laughs> While wow, the Word of God's being preached. Now, you know, if I were to ask you a question this morning, if I were to say, you know, if I if I were to throw this this box up into the air, throw it up, how many of you will say with absolute certainty that it will come down? Let me see your hands. Let me ask the question again. You didn't hear me. If I said that I'm going to throw this box up. Everybody say up. I'm going to throw this box up. How many of you will say with absolute certainty that it will come down? Any doubts here? Okay, how many of you doubt that it will come down? Nobody. Not even one person believes that I can throw this into orbit. I need to go to the gym, I guess. But <laughs> right. the point is this: Why is it that you can say with absolute confidence that it will come down? Why? Because there is a law. There is a a law. It's called gravity. And because you know there is a law, the knowing of that law, knowing that there is this law, has made you and me absolutely certain that if I, even no matter if he throw it up, it will come down. We know there's a law. Now, God who created both the natural realm and the spiritual realm, God set laws in the natural realm. One of them is the law of gravity. It's just one. There are many other laws in the natural world. Science is an attempt to discover and learn how to use and leverage these laws. The same God who created the natural realm and set laws in the natural realm is also the God who created the spiritual realm and set laws in the spiritual realm. Now when you know a natural law it makes you absolutely certain that that law will work Amen The same thing about spiritual about the spiritual realm when you know the laws that God has established that go- the laws that govern the spiritual realm you and I can be absolutely certain Amen about things of the spiritual realm. Why? Because of those laws. Do we all understand? See, but somehow we falter when it comes to spiritual things. But this morning I want to encourage us. You know, it's the same thing. You've got laws in the natural world. You're absolutely certain about it. God has set laws in the spiritual realm that can bring us to a place of absolute certainty about about things in the spiritual realm. Amen? See, there's hardly any one of us would get into an aeroplane this morning or get into an aeroplane and say, I hope this will take off. I hope it will really fly. No, you get in there and you're waiting for them to serve you. (laughs) You're not worried about whether you'll reach, you know, Delhi or New York or wherever you're flying. You're worried more about, man, what's for lunch, you know? You're not even thinking whether this will take off. You're not even worried whether it will land. You know this. Why? Because you're confident of these laws. Amen? But why is it that when we come to prayer and when we say, if you will pray according to the will of God, God will answer, we begin to question that. Why is it? It's the same thing. If you can be so confident about natural laws, then we need to come to a place of absolute confidence concerning spiritual laws. Not one of you ever doubted that this box will come back. Because you know there is a law that governs the natural world. Therefore, you can come to a place concerning prayer, where you say, I have no doubt that my God will answer my prayer. Because I'm operating according to the laws that He sets that govern prayer. Amen? The God who made the natural world is also the God who made the spiritual world. The God who set laws at work in the natural realm also set laws in the spiritual realm. Now suppose an airplane falls off the sky. Nobody turns around and says, Well, at that point, the law of gravity failed to function. Nobody says that. They would say there was some mechanical failure. There was an error on the pilot's part. But nobody will say, we were flying over this particular part of India, and over that particular part of India, the law of gravity doesn't work. Or whatever. See, we don't say that there was a failure in the law that God says. Amen? So this morning, we're going to go in and understand what are the principles or laws the governing principles that God has said concerning prayer. And if we will learn and if we will function, we will operate by those laws, we can also be of absolute, uh, absolute, certainty. we can be absolutely confident that our prayers will be answered. What are these laws? And I'm going to go through them quickly. There's a lot of ground to cover this morning. So you do your ministry, which is to keep your neighbor awake. Amen? And I'll do my part of going through these, uh, to the message here this morning. The first thing we learn is this, in John chapter, ask the Father in Jesus' name. Ask the Father in His name. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, in John 14, 13 14, Jesus said, Most certainly I said to you, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And then in chapter 16 of John, John 16, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, And in that day you will ask me, in that day you will ask me, and Am I going too fast? John 16, verses 23 and 24. He says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you, that your joy may be full. Until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you'll receive, that your joy may be full. I want you to see certain instructions that Jesus is giving us in this scripture. First thing he says is, you will not ask me for anything. Don't ask me for anything. John 16, 23. You all see that there. He says, Whatever you ask the Father. So, question. Whom are we supposed to ask? Ask the. Let's all let me hear everyone say this. Ask the. So. Jesus said, don't ask me for anything. Don't ask me. Ask the Father. So here's the instruction concerning prayer. When we ask, we are supposed to ask the Father, not Jesus. Amen? It's there in the Bible. Amen? Now somebody say, what if I ask Jesus? Will my prayer get answered? Listen. I don't want to get into a debate on that. I'll let Jesus decide that. But here's what I like to do. I like to follow instructions. Amen? What did Jesus instruct us to do? He said, ask the Father. Don't ask me. So first thing, when we pray the prayer of asking and receiving, when we pray believing prayer, we must ask the Father. Father. Amen? Now we worship Jesus. We love the Lord Jesus. We worship the Father. We worship Jesus. We worship the Spirit of God. We worship. We adore. We, we do all of that. But when you're asking, He said, don't ask me for anything. Ask the Father. So when you are praying, the correct way to pray is, Father, I ask you. Don't say, Lord Jesus, I ask you. Because He said, don't ask me for Anything. Now don't throw stones at me. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. So you mean to say Jesus want uh, to answer my prayer if I ask Him? I don't know. What I do know is this. His instruction to you and me was don't ask me for anything. Ask the Father. So my urge, urging to us is simple. Let's follow instructions. So some of us... Need to change the way we pray. Worship Jesus, but when it comes to asking, ask the Father. Second, he said, ask in my name. See? He said, whatever you ask the Father, in my name. So, why? So, the second thing about prayer is this. He said, we must pray in his name. We must use his name. Now, why do we pray in the name of Jesus? If we take a vote, I think we might all say so that we will all know when to say amen. Now, that's not the reason why we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name because Jesus said, You ask the Father in my name. He told us to use His name. We don't use in Jesus' name so we all know when to say Amen. We use in Jesus' name because Jesus said, use my name. He was giving us the power of attorney. Use my name. Now, if you put it in an organizational setting, for example, if if there's a boss who tells you saying, you know, go and get this done or make this order. When you do this order, just use my name. Say, I said it. What happens? First, The person you're talking to knows that it's as good as your boss telling him to do it. Amen? And he's not going to question it because you're saying, my boss told me. So in prayer, when we pray in the name of Jesus, it is as good as Jesus making that same request. Do we all understand it? Yes or no? Amen? That's the value. That's the power. Oh, that's the reason why we are saying, "Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask." It's as good as Jesus making that request. Now, Mary, in John 11, knew the power of Jesus' prayer. She says she told Jesus in John 11. He said, I, "When Jesus was standing before the tomb of Lazarus, and and you know it seemed like a very desperate situation." Mary said, "And Lord, I know, but even now, whatever you ask the Father, He will give it to you." Amen? The Father would never deny a prayer that Jesus made. And then you and I go to the Father in the name of Jesus. We must understand it's that prayer is being made as though Jesus was making that prayer to the Father. And that prayer will not be denied. Do we all understand it now? Amen? Why? We are praying in Jesus' name. He gave us the right to use His name. It's as though me, you and I, going, taking that request to the Father in His name. It's as though Jesus Himself is making that request from here on. The third thing I want us to see in verse 24 of John 16 is this. He said, "And Whatever you ask Him, and the Father will give it to you so that your joy will be full. That your joy will be full. See, God is interested in our joy being full. Amen. Sometimes we think God is so stingy. I have to, you know, twist his arm to get a little smile for him to make me feel happy. Excuse me. Jesus said the reason God will answer the prayer you're praying because he wants your joy to be full. He wants you to be happy. Amen? See the heart of God in this. God wants your joy to be full. So the number one instruction is this. Ask the Father in Jesus' Nay. Secondly, ask according to God's revealed will. The second instruction we have here is to ask according to God's revealed will. Give your neighbor a little pat on the back. I think after every point I'm going to ask you to do that. Ask according to God's revealed will. Well, in first John chapter five, verses fourteen and fifteen. First John five, fourteen and fifteen, John writes, he says, And this is the confidence that we have in him. So this is the confidence we have in God. That if he ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So this is a confidence we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. So, He's saying this, if I pray according to His will, I know He'll hear me. And if I know He hears me, I also know that I've got the answer. Amen? I don't doubt that I have the answer, because I prayed according to His will. So the key here is to pray according to His will. The question, what is God's will? So, two parts to it. First, God's word is God's will. God's word is God's will. Every promise that God made to His people has you in it. Amen? Every promise that God made to His people has you in it. Every promise is a revelation of His will. God desires for you to have it. So God's word is His will. So if you find the word of God concerning your circumstance, situation, that's His will. For example, you don't need to question if it's God's will for you to prosper. Because His word for His people is this, that you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You'll bring forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do will prosper. It's for His people. Are you His people? Yes. That's His will. So you can pray and say, God, I ask you to prosper me in the name of Jesus. You're praying according to His will. You don't have to question whether it's His will for you to be healed. His word says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. No need to question. That's His will for you. His will is for you to be healed. He heals all our diseases. Diseases. So when you ask the Lord for healing for your body, you are asking absolutely according to His will. No need to question that. No need to mystify it a little bit more and make it more complicated by saying, maybe it's His will for me to be sick. Well, if it was, He would have told you in the Bible. He would have said, it is my will for some of my people to be sick. But He didn't say that. Amen? So let's not make it more complicated than what's there in the Word of God. His Word says this, that His will. Now in James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3, it says, You, you ask and you do not receive. Ask amiss that you might use it to set your own carnal desires. James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3. So if I were to ask amiss outside of this will, then obviously He says you will not receive. Amen. So the key to success in prayer, to having a prayer's answer, number one, is to ask according to His will. Ask according to the revealed will of God. When you're in the perimeter of His revealed will, you will know that He hears you. And if you know He hears you, you know that you have what you ask. Amen? Now, the next question is, but what about things that we don't have chapter and verse for? Amen? You've got four proposals: Ramu, Babu, Shamu, and somebody else. What do you do? Can't say, Lord, please have four of them marry me. It doesn't work that way. So, before, in situations like this where you don't have chapter and verse, the first thing you need to do is first say, God, what is your will? Reveal your will to me. And then you pray according to that will which He has revealed to you. Now, it is possible for us to know the will of God because Colossians chapter one and verse nine. Colossians chapter one, verse nine. Paul's praying for the believers in Colossae, and he's saying, "I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of His will, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord." See, we need to know His will so that we can walk worthy of Him and being fully pleasing to him. Colossians 1 9 and 10. So it's possible for us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. How does he reveal that will to us? The subject, the one, the will that is not in chapter and verse. It's by his spirit. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 10 and 16. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 16. In verse 9, it says that things which eyes haven't seen, which ears haven't heard, such things God has prepared for those who love him verse 10 but god has revealed them to us by his spirit god reveals them to us by his spirit and therefore it concludes in verse 16 of 1 corinthians 2 who has known of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ to know have the mind of christ means to know his thoughts his plans his ways It doesn't mean that you've got a new brain you still have your own brain you still think your own thoughts but the fact is that you can know his thoughts his mind you can know his mind meaning his thoughts his plans his ways how verse 10 says the spirit reveals them to us amen so in any given situation you can know the mind of christ you can have the mind of christ that is you can know his plans his will his thoughts in that situation by the Holy Spirit. So that's like that's a third, what was it? Second thing. That is to pray according to the will of God, know his will, and pray according to his will. You know, this is so important that Jesus said in John 15, verse 7, He said, If you abide my words, abide in you, you ask whatever you will, it will be done for you. Man, imagine that. He said, You ask whatever you Well, just wake your neighbor up and say, hey, that's an amazing promise. He said, ask whatever you will. But he prefixed it with this statement. If you abide in me and my words abide in. So if his word is abiding in you, when you ask, you're not going to go outside of that perimeter of his words. That's why he could say, ask whatever you will. If my word's in you, ask whatever you will. It will be done. Amen? Somebody sent an email asking this question. I would like to know the method for prayer. Should I just simply tell my problems to God? Should I select a suitable scripture for my problem from the Bible? Should I command that word to function in my life? Uh, how long should I pray to get an answer? Or should I just pray the problem without selecting uh, a, a bible verse what is the correct method of praying I uh, I don't know if you're here this morning but I believe that what we're going through this morning will help answer these questions and that particular question concerning do I need the word of God yes we need the word of God because it, we need the word because it's going to help us it's going to help so whether we are in the will of God or not so it's always good to pray with the word of God Amen. Pray with the Word of God. Say, Father, you have said in your words, such and such. So therefore I ask in the name of Jesus, such and such. Because now we are praying with the Word of God, in the will of God. Amen. The third thing, if you're awake, please say Amen. gives me encouragement to keep going. Number three, when I pray, I must pray with strong desire. Tell a neighbor, strong desire. You know, some of us we are so casual about our prayer. Why? Because we say, prayer is plan A. If that doesn't work, I've got plan B. No problems. And so we are pretty casual about our prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you like to if you know if you like to do this, do this in Jesus name. Amen. And I'm mind you saying, in case you don't, don't worry, I figured it out. And so, we really don't have a strong desire to receive an answer to prayer. Why? Because we have plan B. So even if God doesn't answer, it's okay. But really, our key to successful praying, to have a strong prayer life, is that we must pray with a strong desire. To the point where we say, God, this is plan A and I don't have plan B. If you fail, we both fail. Amen? Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 24, Whatever you desire when you pray. Whatever you See, desire is not evil. It's what you desire deter- that determines whether your desire is wrong or right. God created our capacity to desire. Amen? It's God who created it. We desire after God. We desire after his word. We desire a lot of, lot of things. So he said, when you pray, you must have desire. Whatever you desire when you so you've got to have a desire for it. Strong desire. A great example is that of the, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. She came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter who was very sick. And she tried to, when she came to the disciples, the disciples said, You know, he's got a packed schedule today. Try it, you know, next year. They didn't say in those words, but they you know, said, so He's very busy today. Don't come. Ask the disciples, went to Jesus, and even Jesus said, You know, I've been sent. My focus of my ministry to the, is the people of Israel. You, you don't belong to that people. But see, went past that and she said, Lord, but I just want a little crumb from the table. And what Jesus said to her in Matthew 15, 28, He said, Woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. As you will. Man, she had a strong will. Amen. Now, we need that kind of holy stubbornness when it comes to the things of God. When you know it's His will, then you can go after it with that strong desire. Say, God, this is my only plan. If this fails, we both fail. Forget it. And I'm not failing in this manner. Amen. We've got to have that strong desire that our will must be locked in to that prayer saying I will get an answer to this thing strong desire is very very important in having an answer to prayer fourth we must ask with faith we must ask with faith, everybody say with faith we must ask with faith James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 it says if any of you lack wisdom let him ask who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he who wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when I ask God for wisdom of anything else, I must ask with faith. What kind of faith, what kind of believing must I have? Go back to Mark 11:24 24, where Jesus said, Mark 11:24 24, Whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. So what is this faith that I must have? I must have the faith that says, God, as I'm praying now, I believe I have received it now. That's the faith that I must have. Not saying, God, I'm praying now and maybe by and by, in the sweet by and by, when I reach the other shore, I might receive it. That's not the faith we're talking about. We're talking about faith that says, God, I pray now, I receive it now in Jesus' name. But we might say, well, I don't see it right now. Yes, that's why it's called faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Amen? So faith says I have it, even in my five physical senses say I can't touch it, I can't smell it, I can't feel it, I can't taste it. But faith says I have it. Amen? So we must pray with that faith. That at that moment when I'm praying, I believe I have received it. I believe that I have what the petitions that I have desired of Him. As it says in 1 John 5, 14, 15. I believe I have the petitions that I desire. That means it's done right there. The matter is closed. The case is closed. It's done. Yes, it's not visible in the natural. That's why I have faith. Believe that you have received it. We must have that faith. And when we have that faith, now faith also expresses itself by the words we speak. Jesus said, if you have faith, you will speak to the mountain. So now if you turn around, and you begin to speak words of faith to your circumstance, situation, to align itself according to what you have prayed. If it's your body, you speak to your body, and body, you are healed. Because I've prayed, I've received my healing, it's done. You speak to your body, commanding it to be healed. And faith has corresponding action, now you begin to do what you believe. You begin to walk with that sense of expectancy, because you believe that you have received it. Amen. Dispatch your neighbor on the back and saying it's getting better. Number five. When we pray, we must pray with a clear conscience. We must pray with a clear conscience. What is this? This has to do with the attitude of the sins. Psalm 66 and verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I have sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So it's so important to pray with a clean heart. To pray with a, with a, with a pure conscience. You turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Very important scripture, so I'd, I'd encourage you to turn there. 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. It says, Beloved, if heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So you see, a successful prayer life is kind of connected to living in obedience to God. Amen? All those who are awake, say Amen. He says that if my heart doesn't condemn me, then I have covered God. That means my conscience is clear. As far as I know, I'm living right before God, and so my conscience is clear. My heart is not condemning me. Therefore, I go before God with confidence. Do we all understand? And then he says in verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do what is in His sight. So it's so important that we live a godly life. Amen? Somebody sent an email asking this question. The question was, and I'm just just, uh, rephrasing it. It says, my question regarding prayer: I feel guilty of the mistakes which I, of the mistakes we make, which in turn literally brings down our prayers. I need a solution for this and the reason why this happens. If my heart doesn't condemn me, I have confidence toward. I must live a righteous life. Whatever we ask of Him, we receive because we keep His commandments and do what's pleasing in His sight. Amen? Now, if I sin, then I know what to do. I know I need to confess my sin and the blood of Jesus Christ washes my sins. I know that. And I know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, based on that fact and the fact that I am walking in obedience to Him, My heart will not condemn me. I have confidence with God. I'll go before God with a clean conscience. Amen? But if I'm living in sin, obviously my heart will condemn me. And it will prevent me from having confidence before God. If my heart condemns me, then we do not have confidence before God. But if my heart does not condemn me, then I can go before God with Boneless and confidence. So I need to have a clear conscience as I go before God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Peter is talking about husbands and wives. And he says, You know, husbands dwell according to knowledge, giving honor to your wife as unto a weaker vessel, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be hindered. See, there are things that I do that can hinder my own prayers. The Greek there simply means to cut it off, meaning my prayer gets cut off even before it goes off the ceiling. There are things I do which hinder my own prayers. One of them is the relationships. Husband wife. With people. He continues in that passage. He's saying, so let's live peaceably with all men. And then verse 12 he says, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open to their. That means we've got to live with each other. Speak no evil. Then he continues. His ears are open to my prayer. So you see, answer to prayer is also connected to living right in an obedience to God. That's why it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails right. So a godly life is necessary to a successful life of prayer. Amen? So, well, I, I didn't like to hear that. Listen, that's the word of God. It's a principle. Because if my heart condemns me, if I'm living it, it's in my heart will condemn me. It's a conscience. It's a built-in conscience that God has put in there. It will tell me I'm doing something wrong. Then it destroys my confidence. Before but if I do what's pleasing in His sight, I have conference before God so I must go before God with a clear conscience you know Jesus talked about in, in Luke 11 verses 8 through Luke 11 Luke, verses 5 through 11 Jesus gave an illustration of a man who was fast asleep 12 o'clock at night he had his friend who was working in 24 7 he finished his night shift he comes to the door and knocks just got out of the shift. he's very hungry and he says, you know, give me some food to eat. And this man gets up, he's so embarrassed, there's no food at all. What does he do? He says, hey, I got my brother living next door. I got somebody else. I got a friend living next door. He goes, in the middle of, he goes to wake up his friend and he says, I have another friend who's come visiting me in the middle of the night. Please get up and give me some bread because I need to feed him. And then Jesus gives that as an illustration of our prayer. He said, what's the message? The message that he says, he says, because of his unashamed boldness, he was not embarrassed. He was unashamed. He says, his neighbor will get up and give him the bread. So he says, that's the way our prayer life must be. We must be, we must have unashamed boldness to go and ask God. Amen? Unashamed boldness. to enter the presence of God. We have that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, but we must also maintain a life of holiness and obedience to God. Two more points So, the neighbor. It's getting over. Two more points here. Just bear with me. I know we're going to go a little longer. Two more instructions here on prayer. Number six is this. We must pray with perseverance. With This is the tough part. You know, because we are all used to the vending machine prayer. You know what the vending machine prayer is? You put in your money, punch a button, and out comes your coffee. And out comes your can of soda, whatever. We're used to vending machine prayers. We think heaven is a vending machine. Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. <tongue> But sometimes, heaven doesn't work like a vending machine. Sometimes, there is a time gap between the day you pray and believe that you have received and the day you actually receive it delivered in the natural world. And it's so important to persevere in prayer all the way through Till you receive it in the natural world. Jesus gave us an example in Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. He, he said, you know, men are always to, not to faint, not to lose heart, not to become discouraged. That end, he gave this example of an unjust judge. Now, an unjust judge is God, Right? It's very different. But he's giving a story of an unjust judge. A woman goes to this unjust judge and he does it to her. A widow doesn't pay attention to her. But she keeps going back to him. And then he gets so tired of her. He says, lest she weary me with her continual coming. I'll close her case. I'll, I'll just give her, her what she's asking. And then Jesus says, will God. Now God is a judge, not unjust. Just. So will not God avenge his own elect speedily. Who we'll cry out to him day and night. So the point he wanted to get across here is this. We must not lose heart. That's the point he wanted to get across. Not that God is like this unjust judge. The point he wanted us to get across is that we must not lose heart. Till the prayer is answered. Till it comes. Don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Hebrews 6 and verse 12 says, Don't be lazy. Tell a neighbor not time to be lazy. Don't be lazy. But through faith and patience, we must inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. Faith and patience, we must inherit the promises. So I must pray with perseverance. I must pray with endurance. Hebrews 10 and verse 35 says, Don't your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So you've done the will of God, but you need some patience to receive. Amen. So when we pray, we must have that endurance. We must have that patience. Now, the African cheetah is one of the fastest land animals. But it's hard Prayer, and you said, God, I believe I have received. If you believe you have received, what do you keep doing? You continue with thanksgiving until the prayer comes, until you receive the answer in the natural realm. The answer in the natural realm. So you pray the prayer, you say, God, I believe I've received. Now, if you continue with thanksgiving, every time you think about it, you say, Father, I thank you. That you have granted it to me the day I prayed for it. I thank you the answer is on the way. You continue with an attitude of faith, with thanksgiving, with expectancy. So every time you think about it, you are thanking Him for the answer. Amen? So that is one aspect of persevering in prayer. That when you have believed, you have received, you continue in it with thanksgiving. Not like let me now, I've done it hundred times, maybe that's not enough. Now another hundred times today. It's not like vain repetition of the same prayed, you believed, you are, you received, you continue in thanksgiving, say, God, I thank you. It's mine. You're exercising your faith. You continue to speak words of faith into your circumstance and situation. You continue to act, you have corresponding action to your faith. Amen. That's persevering in prayer until you receive an answer now why now let me just say this one more thing here there are certain things in certain things that need continued sustained prayer there are certain things that need continued sustained prayer. for example when you're praying for the transformation for the salvation of our city it needs continued pers- continued persisting prayer. We continue and we don't just pray, Father, let everybody in Bangalore City be saved today in Jesus' name. Amen. Done. No. We continue. Why? Because there's a work that has to be accomplished through our praying. You know, one of the messages we'll just spend an entire time just studying our persevering in prayer. Why we need to persevere. But we'll just hit up on the highlights today. We need to continue persevering because there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done through our continued praying. Bringing God's people to maturity. It needs continued prayer. We don't just pray, God, let every person sitting here mature and be Christ-like. In Jesus' name, Amen. And everybody grow up. No, we need continued prayer. We need continued prayer to see the growth and the maturity. Paul said, I travail in labor until Christ be formed in you. This is an ongoing prayer to bring the formation of Jesus Christ in the, in the life of every believer. Same thing for ministry. There's a continued, ongoing prayer. So there are certain things in life where you need to continue in ongoing prayer. But in the, in the case of asking and receiving, you pray, you believe you receive, you continue with thanksgiving and expectancy. Now let me also hit it up here a little before we close here. Why is there a time delay when we pray and until the answer manifests in the natural? Let me give you four quick reasons here why there's a time delay. One, sometimes there's a time delay because of the timing of God. We know that God makes all things beautiful in His time. So there's a timing involved here. And uh, and God makes things beautiful in His time. So we need to wait for the perfect timing of God. The timing of God sometimes may have to do with getting people and places and things all together. Put them together. Uh, Because the answer to your prayer may involve other people. Sometimes the timing of God may may be for you to come to a place of faith. So sometimes you continue praying over a matter until you have come to that place of absolute faith. And then you let go and say, God, now I switch on Thanksgiving. I, I, it's taking care of in the faith. So sometimes you continue in prayer until you've come to a place of faith. Sometimes the timing of God has to do with you know, bringing us to a place of maturity until we can handle the answer to prayer. So you're praying for something maybe you're not mature enough to handle so the timing of god may have to deal may have to do with that that you come to a place of maturity where you can handle the answer to prayer sometimes the timing of god may have to deal with this god teaching us some important spiritual things so there's a timing of god involved second reason why there are delays in answer to prayer is because of demonic interception satan tries to hinder answers to prayer in daniel chapter 10 verses 12 and 13 daniel prayed And the day he prayed, his prayer was heard in heaven, and God had sent the answer. But it took took 21 days before the angel actually reached Daniel. And through those 21 days, Daniel was praying. And what was happening? There was a war in the spiritual realm. Satan was trying to prevent the angel from reaching Daniel with the answer. So sometimes our prayers are delayed because there is a spiritual conflict involved in us receiving an answer. And we must persevere in prayer until we see it. Answer. And the CBC'd come. A third reason why there might be this time gap between uh, asking and receiving is because God is waiting for us to complete all obedience. Complete all obedience. There may be some areas of life that still need to come into a place of obedience. Pastor Dutch Sheet shares this story of a woman who was listening to him one day preach. Uh, This woman had been praying for her sister and her brother in law for 20 years for them to be saved. She and her husband had been saved, but her sister and brother-in-law were were anti-Christian, they were against this whole thing, and she had been praying for them. Now, over the years, because of that anti-Christian attitude, she, although she kept praying for them, she had developed a a holier-than-dove, a more religious attitude towards her sister and brother-in-law. So for 20 years, she was praying and nothing was happening. And she was hearing Pastor Dutch preach and teach on this whole thing about prayer and how important it was to have a heart right before God in prayer. And while she was listening to this, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, you know, the reason your prayer is not being answered is because of your attitude towards your sister and brother-in-law. Because you have a more religious, holier-than-thou attitude. And when the Holy Spirit dealt with her on that, that day she repented and said, God, I'm changing my attitude towards my brother and my sister and brother-in-law. Forgive me for this. And she prayed once again for them, asking that the veil be lifted off their eyes. And within months, they were saved. For 20 years, she was praying with the wrong heart. But the day she completed all obedience, came into a place where she, her attitude changed, the prayer was answered. Attitudes in our own hearts often keep God from being able to answer our prayer. So sometimes God is waiting for all obedience to be completed. Our own sins might hinder our prayers for a sinner. Our own sins might hinder the prayers for a sinner. Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye before you can take the speck off of of your brother's eye. Amen. So we got to be careful. Sometimes the delays could be because God's waiting on us to complete all obedience. And the fourth important reason is because sometimes we need to keep praying until there is sufficient power that's been released to accomplish the task. Just keep that in your mind. We'll talk about it again some other time. But we need to pray until there's sufficient power released to accomplish the task. That could be a fourth reason why there's a delay in prayer. So you need to keep persevering in prayer. You know, sometimes you pray for a person. They don't get healed right there. But you persevere in prayer. You persevere in faith. And then the healing comes. There's, there's a spiritual involved over there, and we'll talk about it another time, and we just deep the subject of persevering, persevering in prayer the seventh thing, the last thing we need to know about prayer, which God has, instruction God has given us is we need to pray with thanksgiving he said in Philippians 4, 6 you know, make your request known to God with thanks so seven instructions to prayer let me just quickly review, ask you've taught us things God, we pray that we come to that place of total conviction, God, that if we do what you said in your words, we will have what you said we can have. Just as in the natural